chapter 18, Perak Yud Ches, which is on page 46. I do, 46 on the top. On the top. Yep. Pretty sure, right? Okay, that's okay. I'm going to hear Hebrew, but it's the same, it's the same thing. Okay, that's okay. Same thing. Okay. Um, interestingly, Tanya, the first book of Tanya, which is what we're learning, is made up of 53 chapters. Nun Gimel. Um, just like the Torah, it's 53 Torah portions. Right? 53, what is the Hebrew letters for Nun Gimel? Yeah. Is Gan, the garden, the garden of Torah. And Tanya is also, um, has 53 chapters, but although it's 53 chapters long, there's different, like, it's broken, broken down into different sections and segments. Um, and really, chapter 18, which we're beginning here tonight, is the beginning of a new idea in Tanya, different um, than some of the ideas that we were learning until now. The basic idea, the basic difference, is the following. One of the, the main subjects of Tanya, and as we discussed many times, is developing feelings in our Avedis Hashem, in our mitzvahs. It's not just about doing things, it's about feelings. There's a mitzvah to love Hashem, Avas Hashem, Vahaftas Hashem Alukecha, there's a mitzvah of Yiras Hashem, fear of Hashem. Um, and many times we find it's, we've, we've had this discussion I know in the past, that many times it's easier just to do the right thing. Get up in the morning and do the right thing and put on my tefillin and daven. But to actually awaken feeling for what we're doing and excitement for what we're doing is sometimes more challenging. You know, how do you, how do you start loving something? You know, I, Hashem says, love me, fear me. These are emotions. You can't you know, push a button and start feeling that emotion. So how do we get there? And the answer that we've been discussing till now, primarily in Tanya, is through using our seichel, through using our head. Um, when a person contemplates and thinks about Hashem and thinks about what Hashem gives us and thinks about the meaning of life, the more we think, the more we affect the way we feel. Because that's how Hashem created us, that our minds... Um, direct and um, inspire our hearts, right? A child likes certain types of things, right? Like uh, candies or toys. As you grow older, hopefully the toys change, right? And they get bigger and more expensive, <laughs> especially for those of us who have to buy birthday presents, or whatever. The toys change with time. And ultimately, we hope that our tastes become wiser and become more refined, and it's not anymore about food only or whatever, and finer things and better things and ultimately holier things, more spiritual things. So the first answer of Tanya, how to awaken feeling, is using our seichel. And that's called, in Tanya terminology, the ava hanoilad min haseichel, love for Hashem that comes from thinking, from intellect, or fear of Hashem that comes from intellect. That's all one idea. Today we begin a new concept. He says a, new, a different idea which is that we really believe that every Jew has a natural love for Hashem and a natural fear of Hashem that comes from, it's, a, it's part of our neshama. And that doesn't have to be created, it just has to be, be revealed, awakened. And that's what, that's what he's going to discuss. That it becomes a, uh, a focus in Tanya, uh, what he calls the avahativis, the natural love that we've had for thousands of years for Hashem. And as we're going to discuss, historically, Jewish people were willing to go to, at all costs, not to disconnect and not to convert, even simple people, even people who didn't know how to read, people who weren't scholarly and weren't tzaddikim. And nevertheless, they had that mesiris nefesh, which comes from that natural connection that we have to Hashem. And even today, I'm sure all of us know different types of people. I, I, there's, there's, an, there's people that I know that, as far as practice and observance, is like zero. Um, they never had it. They never were taught. They had no, but nevertheless, they're like very proud of being Jewish. Right? They're very strongly Jewish. And where does that come from? You don't practice it. You don't learn it. You don't study it. You don't know very much about it. And I talked to one person specifically. I'm thinking of. I talked to him basic ideas of Chumash and Avraham Avinu, Yitzchak and Yaakov. He never heard it. But nevertheless, he's Jewish, and his wife is Jewish, and his children are Jewish, and they're very into the fact that they're Jewish. There's something inborn in the Neshama of a Yid. That's just a connection, whether I understand or I don't understand. And that's really what he begins discussing in this chapter of Tanya Perik Yilchas. Okay, so let's uh, let's an introduction. Let's let's uh, read inside. Um, we'll remember that Tanya is based on a pasuk. It's based on a pasuk in Chumash Devarim Ki Karev Elacha Hadavar Ma'id Beficha O Bilvavcha Lasaisa. That Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people that is very close to you, is very much in your grasp. 
to, to um, verbally and emotionally and in action to serve Hashem. So he says, Perik Yudchas, to add additional explanation, Ba'ar Hetiv, to explain well, Milas Ma'oid, Shebepasuk Hikari Vilecha Dover Ma'oid. What does the word Ma'oid mean? Simple Hebrew. Very. Very. So Moshe says, it's very, it's close to you to connect to Hashem, it's very close. What did he mean by that very? What's the difference between close and very close? Like if, you know, distance-wise, if you would have said it's close, it's attainable, what is this very? Can you start one of the other program like this? It's the same question. We may have started right? this parak. No, you know, the previ- in the previous parak, is what you're remembering, and there it said, now we'll understand Kikar because that was the end of one segment, uh, and that was talking about, as I said, the intellectual love. So what is that wasn't about the mode. Not the mode. And here we go to the mode. And that's exactly, you're pointing to the exact difference that he's making. In, there's a big difference between intellectual love and natural love. One is close, one is very close. One has to be created, one has to be found. And really, as Jews, we have both of them, and they're both important. Because it's important also to create, to think and understand. When we think and understand, we internalize much more. But on the other hand, we always have the backup that I'm a yid. I'm just a Jew. That's all. And that gives me a certain, um, a certain connection, a certain feeling. I'll tell you something, a beautiful Misa. Um, I, I told you many times that my father is a uh, Chabad Rav in Detroit for over 40 years. So there's a shliach there. There's many, many Balik many people. One of the people that's uh, quite close to the family and it became from many, many years ago, Guy, his name is his name is Kenny. It's being recorded. I won't use the fine, last names, but Kenny Ken, very uh, close friend to the family. So he once told me. He says, you know, for years he struggled with you know basic Yiddishkeit, and one of the hardest things is Shabbos. No, no business and no this and that. And he said he asked different people, you know, why should I do this and how should I do this. And then he says, until he says one time he asked my father. He says, Rabbi, tell me why why should I keep Shabbos. He says, he tells me, your father looked at me in the eye and he says, because you're a Jew, and a Jew keeps Shams. He says, that answer talked to me better than any answer I ever got. It wasn't an explanation, it wasn't profound, it wasn't, uh, didn't tell me it's going to help me in my family life, it didn't tell me, you know, how good uh, chicken soup with knedlach is. He just said, you're Jewish. And that touched me. And then I decided, you know what, I'm in. And that's really what he's saying here. There is the kikar v'lecha, thing, contemplate, understand, and there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn about being a Yid and to understand it better and better. But ultimately, we believe there's something that's part of us that's, that's a Yid. And that, that, that's the Ma'oy, that's the very close of Yiddishkeit to a Yid. Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem Shalom, how are you? One time you're here, right? You can share? Yeah, we got it. He's got his own. Special or? They're regular. What are the special ones? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to know what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Those are diet ones, right? <laughs> okay. So he says like this. We're on page 46 in the Tanya. He says, so in order to understand what Moshe Rabbeinu meant when he said that it's very close and very attainable for every Yid to, uh, to serve Hashem properly and have the proper feelings, he says... We have to know, and we have to know this with belief. Even a person who his mind, his knowledge is literally means short, but I don't think it means here limited. Limited, limited person, limited knowledge, not a big scholar. Doesn't know much about Hashem. Bigdulas in Saif Baruchu doesn't really have the heart to understand, to contemplate, to reflect, to meditate in the greatness of Hashem, the infinite, you know, the levels of Hashem. To create from his thoughts fear and love for Hashem. Even intellectual fear and love. Are they talking about someone who's limited intellectually in general, or only about Yiddishkeit? But either way, yeah. either way, you know, and that's a great question because there's both. There's both. Sometimes you have a person who's just 
just not a big uh, philosopher, you know, not a big intellect. Intellectual. Not spiritual. And then you have people that they're very good intellectually in other things, but not in this, because they're not spiritual, or this doesn't talk to them. You know, the truth is, in any field of study, you can have someone who's very brilliant in mathematics, and when it comes to, I don't know, uh, engineering, something with a finger hands, they can't do it at all. Right? That's very common. Uh, many times, what my heart is in, I'm able to understand. When my heart's not there, I just don't understand anything. So either way, people like to be good, you know, like tend to tend to like things that they're good at. Right, exactly. And things that they like, they tend to understand better right. and appreciate better. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm dealing now in, 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 in I, I, I thank you. I teach the highest grade in the yeshiva, so now at the end of the year is always the time for a lot of brag, rap, I don't brag. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it's been so long since I had the matzah on Pesach. You know. My point being that they are leaving. My students are all leaving now. And they're all applying for schools for next year. And there's a lot of anxiety of like being accepted and not being accepted and which school to go to and which school. And they're always asking, you know, so which school should I go to? What's the best school? So the Rebbe had an answer to all students when they would ask, which school should you go to? You know what his answer was? The one where you want to go to. And he would quote what the Gemara says, Ein adam loymeid, ela A person can never be successful in learning if they're not happy where they are. you got to be happy there. Because even though what's the connection of learning and being happy, after learning is intellectual, happy is emotional. But we know these, are, these things are very, very closely connected. What I like, what I enjoy, what I'm happy with, I do better. My mind works better. So if, I'm, if my heart is in a certain subject, I'll, I'll, I'll do very well there. Sometimes surprisingly well, even though on other subjects I can do, I can be very poor. How if a kid wants to go to public school and doesn't want to go to Jewish school? We just, throw, we just kick him out. No, no. <laughs> Simple way. <laughs> no big question there. Um, you know, 39 lashes. <laughs> it seems like, this seems appropriate. <laughs> That's just the beginning. Anyhow, but again, we're being recorded. We have to be careful. <laughs> Nobody told me about that. I didn't consent to that. <laughs> no, no lawyers in the crowd, right? Anyhow, um, the point being, so here we're talking about, again, a person who when it comes to learning and understanding about godliness, Hashem is very weak. Af al nevertheless, korev elav hadover. Nevertheless, is very attainable. Ma'oid, very much so. Lishmer velasais, to follow, to guard and to do, kol mitzvah satayr, all the mitzvahs of the Torah. The Talmud Torah connected Kulam, especially the study of Torah. Befiv ubulvavai, verbally, emotionally, mamish, literally. Meumka deliver from the depths of one heart. The emes lamita in the ultimate truth. Bidchilu rechimu with fear of Hashem and love of Hashem. Sheyava misuteres shebelev klolos Yisrael. These are the key words here. With the the hidden love that finds itself in the heart of Klal Yisrael. Which is an inheritance to us from our ancestors, from Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, Sarah Rivka Rachel and Leah. And that's the that's the opener and the punchline of what we're going to be learning about now. That as opposed to what we're talking about till now, which is also important, that a person should learn and try to understand and try to develop feelings. We also believe that there are certain hidden feelings that don't really have to be taught to a Jew. They have to be accessed. They have to be revealed. But they're, they're there. And without all the learning, you see, someone, 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 I skipped all the classes, and nevertheless I'm a Jew. And nevertheless I feel the, the feeling of Yiddishkeit and that connection to Yiddishkeit. But just because you're proud to be Jewish or feel a connection in some way, doesn't necessarily mean that like you want to learn or be religious. This is true. It doesn't have to mean that. In fact, it doesn't have to mean that, but it could. A person can be a very proud Jew, there are plenty of them, that absolutely don't enjoy or want have anything to do with observance. observance. And that's true. And that's true. In fact, they, they may even despise it. <laughs> you sound like you know something. I know a few people, people like this. <laughs> you thought it was a lot of familiar. Uh, so no, I mean, like I think you know, they, I think people like it. They, you know, but there's a point where it becomes oppressive, and they don't, you know, they find that you know that stuff oppressive or or uh, overbearing, right? Right. So, so my point is that we started off with that 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 it's very near to you and easy to do, and like, and then the question, right? The 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 Alter asked the question, which is like, is it really that easy for a person to do that? And 
and so so you're saying that there's a connection because of the avos and emos that they're that it should come easily and some what is it which part's supposed to come easily that the fact that like if you scratch your skin under the surface there's going to be like a, a, a proud jew somewhere in there no matter like how off the derek quote-unquote the person is or that it's in fact does a person truly desires to do all of the mitzvos and and like it's easy for him to do that if you just were able to access it yeah. that, that's the part of so that, that's a great question i think first of all the word easy is not being used correctly here it doesn't mean easy everything in life that's uh that's important or that's good or that's healthy or that's happy doesn't necessarily mean easy um, things require effort. Everything really that's precious requires effort. Uh, the things that are just easy is having a good time. Um, well, what he's saying is that it's attainable. It's attainable and accessible. Yeah, okay. You know, that's what he's really saying. That it's attainable, it's accessible, it's within the grasp of every person. Now, you ask, is he talking about just being proud to be a Jew? Or is he talking about also the living like the way a Torah says a Jew should live? Right. And he's, he's obviously talking about living it also. He's not only talking about the pride. Now, that pride comes from the same place. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I proud of being a Jew? Just because, you know, because again, Jews know, you know, know how to, uh, I don't know, bagels and locks. You know, the, the pride of being a Jew, many times we don't, a person might not understand himself where that pride comes from or what it really means. Humans are tribal. It's our tribe. It's like being like, you know, you're a Cubs fan. Why? Because I'm from Chicago. I'm a Cubs fan. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know of any Cubs fans that are 3,000 years Cubs fan. How long did the Cubs around? I'm saying, but like, if you go to any other group, you'll find like a level of pride because what else? They have people right. have to define themselves. Right. That gives them a sense of belonging. Right. And it's also true. But Kalal Yisrael is the oldest of all religions. And it's a religion that hasn't had a homeland for longer than anyone else. So we've been around a couple thousand years and we've been oppressed by every different nation and every different country and we've been... Go through, you know, what's the, whether it was the Romans the or the oldest? oldest religion, for sure. Sure. I thought, sure that, I thought the Asians, like, have, are, like, some, I feel like, Chinese things, like, from, like, around this four or five thousand years ago. Or like, a Buddhist, say they're... No, I don't know, a Buddhist. I mean, I think there's, there I, was I, some... I believe that the old, you know, I'm not an expert on religions, I'm not going to pretend to be so. I believe that the oldest um, book that historically the world has is the Bible. The oldest religious book is the Bible, which is the bestseller in the world since the year that the printing press started. And the Bible is the story of the Jewish people. Um, later, there is the New Testament, which is additions to the Bible. Well, there's not like Sanskrit or yeah, whatever. I think, like... I, I, I think the Bible still predates it. Huh? I think they don't know, honestly. <laughs> Nobody really knows. Say, like, That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just, just, just like they say, like, some, you know... Some there's no hieroglyphics or in a cave. Really yeah, they're like... Some saying, story in the cave. We don't really know. Right? Drew, but, but even so, let's say Sanskrit, there's nobody who follows Sanskrit or no, is part of that religion. The, the, the religion of the Jewish people sure. today is the same religion and the same mitzvahs and the same Torah yes. that it's been as far back as any historian can know. Okay. There's nothing changed from the way, you know, the tefillin and the Shabbos and the mitzvah and the matzah and the sukkahs and the shavuos that's prescribed in the Bible, which even is... Even the actual Torah, the written Torah is exactly... The, the written Torah. Torah, the 613 mitzvahs. We're a nation that's on the four corners of the earth, um, as far long as anyone knows, and we all have exactly the same mitzvahs, exactly the same 613, and the only thing that differentiates a Jew that's Moroccan or American or Persian or Brazilian is minhagim. There's a custom here, a custom there, but the 613 are the same. In other words, Yiddishkeit has held, cemented as a nation based on the mitzvahs for as long as we have history to prove it. And I hope that you'll eat Beis Yosef Shechita from now on. Beis Yosef Shechita <laughs> and other Shechita are nuances. No, no, no. No, but, no but it's a great point, but it's very important to respond. Because people say, oh, there's so many differences, Ashkenaz and Sephard and Hasidic and non It's really not that big of a difference. The differences are so minute. Yeah. There isn't even one difference in one Torah mitzvah. Like for Shabbos, there's 39 uh, malachas of Shabbos. No matter, it's Ashkenaz, Farad, Hasidic, even Lubavitch. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and you're not going to, and Matzah, and Pesach, and Shavuos, and the four, and the four species of the Nestor Belulav, no one anywhere takes a pineapple. You know, it's, it's an Esther right. and a Lulav wherever you are. Minhagin, um, yes, rice on Pesach, or not rice on Pesach. Or my tzitzit, you know, uh, this color, that color. I vote yes. That's just my vote. I'm... <laughs> 
maybe I'm alone here. But. You're Ashkenazi, Sfarg, you know, the Ashkenazi. I'm just saying, I, I think that we should all just, you know, take the best of all the world, of all the different Minhagi and put them together. Yeah, so that one guy walking to you're Ashkenazi, Sfarg, he says, Democrat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that's an option. It <laughs> but I guess the point of the Alter Rebbe and Tanya is, and getting back to your question, yes, of course there's a basic, I'm proud to be a Jew, and that's true. That's not what he, that's not definitely fully not what he's talking about. That could be a part of what he's talking about. What he's talking about is the ability for someone to be able to serve God and be devoted to Torah and mitzvahs, even if they're not a big intellectual that understands all the ins and outs of things. In other words, there are scholars. Well, scholars and they study and, and every religion has its scholars and the people who study and understand and, and can profess and, and so on and so forth. Yiddishkeit was never based on scholars. We study from scholars and that's fine. But the Yid's connection to Hashem and the Yid's connection to our mitzvahs <coughs> came from within, which was a deep-rooted faith and a love and, and, uh, of Hashem that he has as part of that nation. Now, there were all people, there's always people who observe more and observe less. You know, there's, there's, that, 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 that's always there. But as far as the Yiddishkeit continuing generation after generation, and that's what he's going to discuss. And, and furthermore, as we're going to get into it, he's going to discuss the, another amazing historical fact about the Jewish people is that we held steadfast onto our Yiddishkeit even if it meant sacrifices everything for it. And that's, again, it's a historical thing that's been going on, whether it was the Inquisition or the Crusaders or the Greeks or the story of Hanukkah, the story of Purim, where the Jewish people were threatened and they said, we're sticking with it. And it wasn't only the scholars. It wasn't only the special Yidin. It was, it was man, woman, and child. It was communities that held on to their Yiddishkeit. And that Yiddishkeit that they held on to then is the same Yiddishkeit that we're holding on to today, the same mitzvahs that we're holding on to today. So let's see in here how he says it. He says... Um, on the line that starts with Me'avoseinu, he says, We have to preface and explain first well, what's the root of this love? What, you know, a love for what? What are we doing with this love? Yeah, our version of the words are flipped around. What does it say by you? I'm sorry? Oh, it's not the same. Before what? Before Lahakim? Where's that? Uh, sort of yeah. That's how I yeah. Is that strange? Sort of levair ulahaktim tchila ba'arhetiv. Interesting. See, there you go again. Changes, right? Differences. Right? <laughs> um, interesting. Which one is correct? Um, right. You know, you know what I'm thinking. I don't know if it's that exact word makes a difference. In- no, no. It, it probably this is what I have here is definitely an older version, and possibly there's a typo that was corrected. Yeah, this is uh, this is copyright seventy three revised to twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Uh, this one I have myself for a lot more years than this was. This was from ninety two, nineteen ninety two. This one was printed. Wow. So possibly it was a typo that was connected. Is it January ninety two? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say. It just says the year. It just says the year. So we have to understand what's the root of this love. Echi Yerushalonu. How exactly is love a inheritance? How does fear come along with this love? Does love and fear seem to be different types of feelings. Um, so we talk about the hidden love and fear. How do they come to us? How are they an inheritance? What's this all about? And he says the following. I got a, I got a um, what's it called? A WhatsApp yesterday. From I have a cousin, first cousin. He's a shliach on campus in Penn State, in Pennsylvania. It's a rabbi on campus there. And you know a guy named Jerry Sandusky? Who's this? <laughs> they had the whole thing in, at Penn State with like the, the guy, the coach. The sports guy, yeah. salting kids. I heard about it, yeah. That was a couple years ago, right? Yeah. And yeah, so this, this cousin, actually, he was a Talmud here in the yeshiva. He learned here in the for a couple years. And he's a, he's a great guy. So he asked me yesterday that he had a guy come to his house to fix something. I don't remember what. Roof and this. And they were talking and talking. And it came up. The guy says, Rabbi, I'll tell you a secret. He says, I don't know, it's not a secret. I'll tell you something uh, personal. He says, we had a grandmother who lived here in town and she never let us go up into the attic of the house. And we visited many times. The attic was like off, you know, off boundaries. He says, now she passed away. A couple of weeks ago she passed away. We went up to the attic. And lo and behold, she was Jewish. She has all her old things when she was a kid and artifacts and this. And 
she was Jewish. And this is an amazing thing, you know, now by you in the rabbi's house and whatever. So he, so he asks her, of course, he asks the guy the next question, was this your, your mother's which grandmother is this, right? Father's mother, mother's mother. He said, no, it's my mom's mom. So he says, <laughs> I have some news for you. You're Jewish too. He says, no, no, I'm Methodist. He says, why you? He says, well, my name is whatever, I don't remember the name, and Methodist. He says, listen, according to Torah, the, the uh, you know, Yiddish guy, the neshama comes from, through the mother, and you're, as far as halacha is concerned, as far as Torah law is concerned, you're as Jewish as the greatest rabbi in the world. You're 100% Jewish. Anyways, he was taken aback. But anyways, he talked to him, and did a, he said, let's do a, did a prayer together, he put on the tefillin with him. He sent me a picture of the kid with the tefillin. And this story just repeats itself over and over. It's That's amazing. Great. I don't think it really happens anymore. Crazy. It's happened yesterday. Yeah, I can show you the picture. I'm not, like, you know, 30 years ago. I'll show you. The, it's wow. not not just that. I was with my kids. I took them to a place called Zap Zone. And that's where they jump and the trampolines and whatever. And my son came along also with a pair of tefillin. And he asks this guy behind the counter. And the guy's tattooed and whatever. He says, are you Jewish? He goes, no, my mom was. <laughs> he says, well, no. same thing. I mean, there's so many there's so many neshamas there. There's so many eating out there. He did. He did. And we have a picture of that too, yeah. And these are, all these people, it's the first time in their life they're putting on film, yeah. you realize, without a doubt. That's a big deal. Doesn't he talk about it? It's talked about, not in Tanya, but it's talked about. Sure, the Gemara, the Gemara talks about it. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Talking about it, I learned about it. The Gemara talks about it. It's a, big, it's, it's a, person, a person who's never put on film versus a person who's put on film, it's a huge difference. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Karkafta delay monach tefillin. The Gemara says a head that puts on film is a different type of head and comes later after life. And there's many, many people. This was one of the Rebbe's big things to go find now, a Yid. Now, it could be that the grandmother had robbed some Jew and hid it in the attic, or they moved into a house. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, don't go up in the attic. <laughs> don't go up in the attic. <laughs> but they haven't found the body in the backyard. Yeah, they, so. did, he, did he find out why she, was, why she didn't want to say I didn't hear a later part of the story. I don't know. I don't know. This guy that we met in Zap Zone, he said, no, he knows he's Jewish. His grandparents, they used to do Hanukkah, they used to do the Passover, and then they passed away, and that was it. But, you know, he, he remembers them doing those things. By him, it was clear. He said, my mom's Jewish. You know, he knew that as a fact. Okay. V'ha'inyin. The Indian is like this. He starts off, Ki ha'avais hein hein ha'merkava. The avais, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, that the Torah spends really an entire book, the first book of Bereshis, Discussing the story of the Aves and the Imois and Yosef Asadik, they were what Kabbalah calls the Merkava. What is a Merkava? It's a chariot. Why were they called the chariot? The Aves were called the chariot Hashem. A chariot is something that is so nullified to its rider that it doesn't really have any will of its own. That's what a chariot is. Whatever the rider, whatever rider wants to go. I mean, in those days they call it a chariot. Now we'd call them a car. Right, a car doesn't have its own will. Wherever you turn the wheel, it goes. At least that's a healthy Tesla? car. Right. A Tesla? <laughs> I, don't what, I don't know what a Tesla is. I'm just, I'm just thinking about the like self-driving, driving, self-driving cars. Oh, that's a new oh, I'm talking about a different thing. Sometimes you have those old cars that you're pulling it one way, it's going the other way. But a healthy car, <laughs> the rider dictates where we're going. Now, the others were on that level of bitol Tashem's rotsin, Tashem's will. Whatever Hashem wanted, that's what they wanted. That's really what a true tzaddik is. A true tzaddik is someone who's worked themselves to that level that they are just a, a vehicle. Whatever Hashem wants, that's what they want. That's what they do. But you have, but you have uh, situations where, they're, where they fight against Hashem. Or not fight, but they, they debate against Hashem. Avram debated for Stone. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu definitely debates against Hashem several times. And that's a, that's a great question, for sure. And the, probably the best answer to that question that I've heard is that when Avram was debating against Hashem for Stone, Hashem wanted Avram to debate against Hashem for Saddam. In other words, that, that's, it's an interesting answer, but you think about it, when Moshe Rabbeinu was standing up to Hashem for the Jewish people, Hashem created Moshe to be the loving shepherd of the Jewish people and to stand up for their rights. It's sometimes, sometimes you, you want to be strict and you want someone to stand up for your child at the same time. Um, Avram, Hashem created as Avram is the paradigm of chesed. Mm-hmm. So when Avram was exhibiting chesed, even for Saddam, Avram was doing what Hashem wanted Avram to be doing, while Hashem wanted to be challenging him. To, um, so there could be, you know, more than one right thing sometimes. And with these great tzaddikim, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu was never criticized for standing up to Hashem for the Jewish people. Right. Neither was Avram for Saddam. It's only lauded. Not because we think Hashem is making a mistake, but because Hashem gave place for that as well. Sometimes 
Hashem tells one thing, and He wants us to come back. And well, in those in those but situations, they're not completely nullified to the point where they're just like robots. They would be malachim at that point. I hear you. I hear you. In other words, they had a certain proper sense of self to do the right thing sometimes oh, so, even if uh, yeah, that's I mean, correct well said well said but again still we believe whatever they were doing it was because divinely that's what they were supposed to be doing even if in those cases they were seem to be challenging Hashem but that was part of their, their divine mission so he says being that the obvious were on this level of Merkava Valkain Zohu Lahamshich therefore they merited to draw down Naran Naran is an acronym for Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. Those are the different levels of the soul, which we'll talk about probably at a later point. Livnehem achareihem ad oilam. To their children, their descendants that come after them, really forever. Me'eser sfires dikdusha, sheba'arba oilames atzilas b'ri yitzirasi. Okay, here is, this is, like a, this is like a crash Kabbalah concept. And that is, in very short, Kabbalistically, there are, just like there's this physical world that we're part of, there are spiritual worlds. And the all Kabbalah Svarim will tell us about four basic worlds in the system of creation. What are the four basic worlds? Good, good. But you didn't know it go in order. The top one is Atsilus, translated as emanation, Bria, Creation, Yitzira, formation, and Asiya action. What's emanation? What does it mean? So, what is, that's a good question. What does emanate? Where would you use the word emanate? Something emanates from something else. Light emanates from a bulb. What's the difference between emanation and creation? It's like totally. Creation is what it emanates from, no? I, I could create something, or something can emanate from me. Like good, correct. The bulb doesn't create light. The bulb is just bright, and light comes from it. But the but the bulb has to be created. That's correct. But I'm talking about That's when so, uh, yeah, I understand that. But when A comes from B, A comes A can come from B or B from A in a way that it's being created from A, or it's emanating from A. Emanating from A is something automatic. Creating is when you know. Let me give you an example. There's teaching by teaching, and there's teaching by example. What's the difference? When the teacher is teaching by teaching, you're doing something. You're saying something. Whoa. <laughs> Remind him in 20 years. Like, I saved your life. He doesn't even know about it. I'll remind him. You have an idea. Audio. He's not the only one that fell this week. Oh, I had that idea. Who did? He fell down the stairs. Oh, okay. And his, it was great, yeah, yeah. His house recorded. It was great. <laughs> I really camera, enjoyed it. His well, camera I had, at the house recorded. I had camera that goes thing. outside, so later on I went and looked and remembered when I fell, and I found the video, and I sent it everywhere. <laughs> it's really funny. Like a CCTV of you falling yeah. down the stairs? Great. I'll show it to you. The world says that there's malachim, they run after little children. When they fall, they put pillows <laughs> under them. The amount of, you know, when I go, I believe, yeah, when I, I believe that completely. When I go into the emergency room, you know, they know me there on a first name basis. <laughs> I have six little boys. Right. You know, I spend time, I spend time there, you know. This one is a stitch, and this one is a staple, and this one is this. <laughs> the family services are looking into me. But, <laughs> but anyhow. At least you're keeping your kids together with school supplies. Home act. What's the difference between a teacher who teaches a class versus a teacher who teaches by example? When you're teaching a class, you're doing something. You're saying, you're preparing. When you're teaching by example, you're just being yourself. You're being yourself and people are learning from you. Which teaching is more directly connected with the teacher? The one when he's himself. And, these, and it's just what he is is sort of emanating from him. That's why the highest spiritual world is called emanation, because it emanates from Hashem. Oh, that's the highest world. The highest. The before highest. Before creation? Before creation, exactly. Before creation, there's the world that just Hashem sort of emanated His light. And that's a very spiritual and holy world. Is that world. Toho, Is that like where it's chaos? No. No, Toho is before Atsilas. That's before the system of the four. Okay. The world of Toho that Rizal talks about is before the system of the four. But within this system... And then Ein Sof is... Ein Sof is Hashem. 
Right, so that's beyond all of that. Right, correct, correct. That's what's emanating into all of this. That's what's propelling into all of this. Mm. I feel like we're going through everything tonight. This is really good. Did I say something? This is good Chazara. Interestingly... Is it emanating or is it uh, actually hurting? If you notice, (laughs) in the morning... In the morning, when we say Elokai Neshama, right? We wake up in the morning, the first bracha we say, when we wake up is Moda'ani. We say that in bed, ideally. Moda'ani, Lofanach, I thank God for giving me my soul. Later, we open up our sitter, we say Elokai, our God Neshama, Shanasata, be the soul you gave me, and again, we thank Hashem for giving us back our soul. What's the difference between the Moda'ani and Elokai Neshama? Different souls? No, 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 both the same soul. But the <laughs> Moda'ani doesn't have God's name in it. In the Moda'ani, there's no name of God. Moda'ani lefanacha, malachai. And the reason that's written is that we can say that in bed even before we washed our hands. Right? No matter what, we're not going to be ready and pure, whatever it is, Moda'ani. But then once we washed our hands and we got dressed and we're more you know, presentable to make a bracha, then we do the same thing really in bracha form. And that's the Elokai Neshama. But what I want to talk about is one line there. We say like this, Elokai, Neshama shenasata bi tahorahi. The Neshama you gave me is pure. Ata barasa, ata yatsarta, ata nafachta. Let's think about it. We said the neshama is pure, then you created it, you formed it, and you blew it into me. Those are the four levels, those are the four worlds as the neshama travels them. What's the way? Tahorahi is atzilus. Okay. Tahorahi, the purity of the neshama is in that level of God where it just emanated from God. Then ata barasa. After was that level of just emanated, then Hashem creates it as something that already has some body to it, some, some, some entity. It's not only an emanation of God, it's a new soul. It's a soul with someone's name on it, so to speak. And then Atta Yitzarta, it's formed. First you create the essence of something, and then you form it, like you have a piece of wood. First you just have a piece of wood, then you sort of form it into a table or a chair. And then Atta Nafachta, to blow it into my body, which is actual neshama coming into this world, which is the lowest of the four worlds, the world of action. Really, so when you die, the point is, that, then can you go past Ber- the world of uh, Berea? Yes, you can. You yeah. go to Atzilus. Yes, and then don't you just sort of disappear at that okay. point? Because the neshama, there's different parts of the neshama, different levels of the neshama, but at the very essence of the neshama, the neshama is one with Hashem, Hashem Himself. But you're right. The neshama, as it, it's not doesn't have to remain in one place. You have to understand these worlds aren't different places. It's not like here's here and one near Mars and one near this. We're talking about spiritual entities. So you could be in more than one spiritual entity, depending which part of you is there. So which part is yourself? Like where's your individuality? I guess the individuality is already after Atzil. Once it's in Bria, Bria and Yitzira and so on. In Asilas, it's just connected with Hashem in this way where all neshamas are really one, which we believe that at some point we're all really one. But then there is individuality as it comes down the chain of creation, as we call it. The do word, people really want to go to Atzilas, or do you want to just stay in Berea? <laughs> that's, that's a very good, you're asking good questions, because you're saying, do you want to lose your entity or, re- or retain your individuality? Right. And both are true. There is that part of me that wants to just connect to Hashem and, and just be lost in something great. Mm-hmm. If someone, let's say, just lo- so something I, I love so much, I just want to lose myself in it. Um, someone just loves uh, music. And I just want to like, be in the great symphonies of the world and just, I don't have to feel myself. I just take pleasure of just losing myself in the magnificent um, place and the people. What's music? I don't know. <laughs> Is that what you asked? Yeah. What? Sphere. <laughs> yeah, Sphere. You <laughs> forgot. Talk after Shavuot. <laughs> Another person in art, just send me to that, you know, the, the Louvre and I'll just spend the rest of my life there, just for hours and hours every day. So there is that will, the desire of the Neshama just to lose itself in the source. On the other hand, we're meant to be individuals. So you want to, vi- so basically you want to visit it so you just don't want to stay there. There's part of me that wants to lose myself there, but Hashem created me to be a person and, and accomplish as a person and as an individual. So there's that part. You know, in last week's Torah portion, we talk about the death in last week's Torah portion, we talked about the death of Aaron's two sons. Right? Not of an aviyu. The Mishkan is created. <laughs> He's saying, let me learn Tanya. Like, why are you pulling me away from my Tanya? <laughs> so, You're going for a drive. Going for a drive. Who's driving? 
<laughs> yeah, why, don't you, why don't you give him the keys to your car and just let him play in there? Yeah. <laughs> Remember, everything is recorded. <laughs> so, so you have here um, Aaron's two sons. The Mishkan is, is created. The first day, the heavenly fire comes down and Aaron's two sons die. Why did they die? What happened? They're awesome. Because they're awesome. But why do you die because you're awesome? What's the connection? They had a show. They had to. They had to show the rest of Klyasrol like no, they, they went not to be too right, awesome. Nobody, so, nobody likes. Nobody likes teacher's pet. Okay, so, <laughs> so there's a number of different. <laughs> that's that, that's what that's what the pasuk says. There's different pirushim. The Or Hachaim on Chumash. Have we heard of the Or Hachaim? One of the great commentators to Chumash, the Or Hachaim, we call it the Or Hachaim Hakadosh, lived in Israel some 250 years ago, and he writes at length. That they were such great tzaddikim that when there, were, there was this great revelation of Hashem in the world, their souls were so inspired and enthused that they, their souls left their bodies to just connect to Hashem. And he says that's what it means, that, the, that they went up with that fire that came down to take the sacrifices. He says they sensed and experienced the spirituality, the holiness of the moment, to the extent that their souls were just sucked right out of their bodies. So does that really mean that they, that they, they died even before they... Yeah, when they they went, they ran into the Mishkan, into the Holy of Holies, and poof, they were gone. And that's called Kalos Hanefesh. I thought they became the cor- the korban. I thought the fire came down and consumed them. It no, came no. To, like when they're There's, there was the fire that came down that consumed the korban on the mizbeach, and then it says Hashem, just like a fire came down and consumed the korban, that fire came and it took their and their soul went up with that fire. Right, but they weren't physically burnt. Because the Pasuk says that they were carried out, then their bodies were carried out, their bodies weren't burnt at all. Their soul left. So the Arachim says, he says, this is a tremendous madrig of the great tzaddikim. However, it's not what we're supposed to be looking for. Because Hashem didn't create us to die. He didn't create us that our souls should leave our bodies. So the, the trick is to be spiritual and be um, you know spiritually um, inspired, but to bring it back down here. Mm-hmm. That's all regarding your question. Do we want to lose our individuality or not? Um, how do we get to all this? Ah, here we are. So, so he's saying because uh, here's the point. Here's the, let's let's get to the, down to the basic point here. There are four worlds. That's a crash course fact. Two is that each world is made up of ten spheros. Spheros are attributes. No, that's spinos. Spheros are attributes, divine attributes. In each world is ten? Each world is made the up of ten. ten. They're the same ten. And they are Chachma, Bina, Das, Chabad. wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Chesed, Givura, Tiferes, kindness, severity, and beauty. Netzach, Hod, Yisod, Malchus. Uh, victory, splendor, foundation, the, royalty. Is there a prayer in one of the prayers? Sphira Omer. Is that what it is? Oh, okay. oh that's what it is. It's that's seven that's times seven. seven. Exactly. So Sphira Saomer is a pl- it's 49 days because we take seven of them into seven times seven. But these ten spheros are really broken up into three versus seven. Three are intellectual, Judaism seven gets are real emotional. nuts when you start getting into the numbers. Right. <laughs> when you start getting into gematrias and then also like the letters, you can change the letters around before one can change places. It's, this is it's half, insanity. Half of Kabbalah is based on this. Yeah, like the, it's the, like, the it's power like, of the letters. Hashem created the world with twenty-two letters, so then it's all the energies are through it's like those the, letters. The shameless of Hashem, and like if you know how to do it, you can like you know pull the levers and Shemayim and move things around. <laughs> no, no, I promise not. To That's what all those people learn Kabbalah. They all want to be like they want all want to be like magicians. They think they're all going to be like 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 little wizards running around <laughs> like putting spells on people. <laughs> Uh, no comment on that, but uh, we can edit that part out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm sending this tonight. <laughs> Careful with my list. Um, interestingly, in the back of your Tanya, not mine, but in the back of yours, which is the English one, there's got to be some beautiful essays on the basics of these ten spheros and the four worlds by some pretty prolific um, um, Hasidic um, scholars. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I think you have Emmanuel Shachat, who passed away since already. But there you have probably 50, 60 pages explaining the basics uh, yeah. of these levels, of these ideas, the yeah, four Emmanuel worlds. Shachat. Yeah, Emmanuel Shachat, right? He passed away yeah. probably like two, three years ago. Great genius. He was very big also on debating um, missionaries and priests. He was, he was, real, he was a real thing. Um, 
Be that as it may. Now, our soul is also made up of those ten spheros. Our soul was really a, 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 is, um, is made in the model, as the Pasuk says, God said, let's create man in our image. Now, God doesn't have hands and feet. So what does it mean in our image? It means Hashem himself has those ten attributes within himself and within the spiritual levels of all those worlds, and all of them play themselves out within the human being. And that's why on Spheros Omer, as you mentioned, which is these days, is a time when we're supposed to try to be working with our midos and becoming more refined as we come closer to the giving of Torah once again on Shavuos. So we go through all the steps of the emotional character traits of our soul. So I said there's 10 spheros, seven of which are emotional. So the 49 days of sphera, each, which is seven weeks, each week is devoted to one of these emotional character traits of the soul. And each one is made up of all seven character traits. So the first week is the week of chesed. And there is kindness within kindness and severity within right. kindness and beauty within kindness. That's so this week, we're now in the fourth week, which is the week of Netzach, which is all about victory. And there's kindness within victory and severity within victory. Last night was victory within victory, Netzach within Netzach. And that's what we go through these 49 days. Now, be that as it may, if we have 40 basic levels of godliness, because we've got four worlds times 10 spheros. I mean, the highest world is Atzilus, Right? Lois is Asiya, and each world is made up of 10 spheros, of 10 divine attributes. So together there's 40 attributes of divinity. Says Tanya, from books of Kabbalah, that every soul within every human being can be traced to one of those 40 levels. But 7 times 7 is 49. No, no, no. No, no, it's 10 times. 10. Times ten. 4. four, four ten, 10 times no, 4. No, I get that, but I'm saying, but this Omer is... Because that's only the emotional attributes. The Omer, we're only dealing with the emotional attributes. I'm only thinking 7 out of the 10. Uh-huh. You with me? Yeah. There's 10 spheros. 10 times 4 is 40. You know, I, I understand that. Now, the Omer, we're only dealing with the 7, which is the emotionals, and we do 7 times 7. That's how we have 49. Um, but as you said, numbers, there's sometimes you do 42, which is 7 times 6. Um, that's 42 like, is for before the uh, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Anna Bechoach is 42, and that's what a name of Hashem is the 42. And those 42 journeys of the Jewish people in the desert when they went from Israel, for some reason they're 7 times 6. We don't do Malchus. This can go on forever. It's, it's, a, it's amazing when we start understanding what things are made up of and how they work and how we're working on them. But what he's saying over here is that, that all souls, there's 600,000 root souls according to Kabbalah. Again, that's why the Chumash, when they left Mitzrayim, six, that's the big number, 600,000. So 600,000 root souls. But each one of those roots has many, many um, souls that come from them. Obviously, there's much more than 600,000 Jewish people from, from the time, you know, even today, there's a couple of million Jews, right? 14 million, they say, whatever it is. Um, but every soul is rooted somewhere in those 40. So the highest of souls, the souls of the great Sadiqim, perhaps, would be from the highest world and the highest sphere. So, Chachma of Atzilus. Chachma is the highest in the ten spheres. So that's Moshe Atzilus. Rabin. Moshe Rabin is Chachma Atzilus. Excellent. Moshe Adam Arishon. That's up there. I don't remember right now if it says specifically where it comes. Definitely up there. Adam Arishon was, in a way, in, in contained within himself all the souls ever. That's what I'm wondering. Because Hashem blew that first soul into the nostril of Adam Arishon. That first soul is from the place where all souls come from. So it says Adam really contained within his soul all souls of mankind that will come from him. That's Adam. Um, so, the Avos, being that they were on this level of Merkava, which is that they were totally subservient to Hashem. So therefore, they were Zohar. They, they, were, they merited the great Schus that they were able to draw down the souls, the souls of all Klal Yisrael. So whether it's my soul or your soul or his soul or her soul, whether it's a soul from the world of Atzilus or Bria or Yitzir from Chachma or Malchus, all of them, the Avos brought down. Now, the important thing, though, is being that all these 40 levels are levels of divinity and spirituality, Hashem is within every one of those levels. So, yes, it's 40 different steps, but all those steps are open to divinity, to Hashem. And what, the point that he's getting to here is that at the essence of every Jewish soul, there is a part of Hashem. There is godliness within that soul. And that's the Jewishness of the person. And that's what makes us hold on. And therefore, what, what we're, what he, again, we're just, tonight is the first class on this new section of Tanya, but where he's headed is that every Jew, in his essence, is godly. And that just has to be revealed. It has to be fanned. It has to be brought out. 
And that's hidden way down deep in there. Now you mentioned earlier about a person who's just proud to be Jewish. It doesn't have anything to do with Torah or mitzvahs that he might feel that's even oppressive, like you said before. And there's definitely that feeling. But essentially, once that soul is fanned and once it's brought forth, suddenly he's able to connect to a lot of those ideas. You know, a lot, a lot comes from ignorance and a lot comes from a lot of different types of stuff that we go through. But ultimately, it's there within us. Be well, it's lacha. Next year. Huh? Next year, huh? Next year, on to the next, of course. Watch the little step out there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no camera. So let's, uh, I don't even know what time it is. 54. Okay, so let's go a little bit more. Um, he says, May Esser Sphiros Dikdusha, from the ten holy Sphiros, attributes, Shabarba Olamas, from the four worlds, Atsilos Briya Sirasia, Lachal Echad Veechad. To every person is drawn down a soul, according to the level of that person, according to the actions of the person. LeBron hit a buzzer. What is that? LeBron James hit a game winning three. <laughs> also recorded. <laughs> I don't want to show any Amaras here. <laughs> He's one of the best basketball players, that's all. There's a playoff game tonight. He's in Chicago? Team? No, he's not a Chicago team. Oh. He's Cleveland. I'm not Cleveland. He's a great yeah, Chicago team. Yeah, still on tape. Very, very, very intensely. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Mazel <laughs> I guess it's a good thing. So he says, um, Even to the lowest, so to speak. Those uh, who are totally not interested in the, the ones who yeah. even um, rebel against our emissions. Oh, it's like I wrote the safer. Exactly. Nimshach <laughs> bezivugam. Nevertheless, even to those people is drawn down nefesh de nefesh de malchus da'asiyah. The, the lowest level of the lot. So it's, it's the lowest world and the lowest sphere. Shimadrega ha'tachtoyne shebekdusha sa'asiyah. The lowest level in the kedusha v'asiyah. So, guy says, listen, I got the lowest soul in the whole batch. Of all the worlds, of all the attributes, I'm the lowest of the low. Says the Alter Rebbe. The Afal Pikain, it doesn't really matter. No matter which level of soul one is living off, being that it comes from one of the ten holy spheres, he klula mikula. Ultimately, it's inclu- it, it includes within itself from all of them, Gam mi chachma da'asiyah, thank you, also from chachma v'asiyah. Shebetoicha milubeshes chachma demalchus da'atzilus, in which there is the highest level of from atzilus. Shebetoicha chachma da'atzilus. In other words, in godliness there is this connect connectivity or connectedness. So it's one of the forty levels. It's all part of it's all part of it. And one level connects to the other level. Shabam meir oir and soiv baruchu mamish, and ultimately Hashem Himself. The divine and infinite light of Hashem shines into that neshama. Kirchsiv, as the pasuk says, Hashem bechachma yosadaretz. Hashem through his chachma founded the earth. Vekulam bechachma asisa. That everything Hashem's wisdom is in everything, in every step. Vnimtza, and therefore he concludes, it comes out. Ki ein soiv baruchu. The infinite light of Hashem milubash is enclosed. Bebchinas chachma shebenefesh adam. In the wisdom of the soul of man, whoever he is. And that, that's a cardinal Tanya belief and really became a cardinal Hasidic belief. Hasidic belief. Um, to, how to look at a Jew, no matter, no matter how, you know, how observant or non-observant, but something especially, you know, the Rebbe made it the center of his teachings, but really it comes straight out of Tanya, that we believe that a Jew who has a neshama is, is as Jewish as the greatest side, and you know, it counts for a minion equally. The greatest side doesn't count for two, and the guy who doesn't do anything doesn't count for less than one. And everyone has that part of Hashem within them, and it's our job to bring it out, to have it, to express it more, to express it more, to connect to it more, and that's what we're learning for. But we believe that we have that within ourselves. It says, The wisdom within every year, with the light of Hashem that's enclosed within him. That spreads to every part of the soul to give it its chayas, its its uh, vitality. From head to foot, 
Kedixiv ha-chokma techaye baleha. That the chokma gives life to the person. And I just want to conclude this, the two more lines here in the brackets. He says something very interesting. He says, sometimes you have a person or parents that are very not necessarily holy people, very not spiritual. And they may have a child who turns out to be a big tzaddik. Anyone know their stories? Sure. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's rare though. Possibly. Possibly. Like people look into Yichus and stuff because they think that that's, that person comes from a line or a dynasty of, of, of that their kid's going to be that way. And that's correct. There is, you know, you get it. It's an added plug. You know, the parents were a certain way and they educated you in a certain way and you saw certain examples. And that's true. At the same time, you have the examples that kick all of those, you know, thoughts that how it's going to be. And you have parents who are very simple or very non-whatever. And the child might really shine in ways of holiness, in Kedusha. And I definitely know such people that I'm thinking of right now. Didn't Haman's descendants end up in Bnei Brak? Excellent. The Gemara says, Bnei Bonav Shel Haman Lamdu Torah Bnei Brak. It's another Gemara you're just... You just, you know, and then you told me not to show off before. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> asking which Gemara it is, I don't know. But know it says it somewhere. But it's true. But it's true. So we so the Arizal says something amazing. He says, "Where did that child get it from? If the child, if the mother and father are so out to lunch, they're so not spiritual. Where did that holiness come to from the child?" So one can say, "Well, the child, you know, just did it on its own." The Arizal says, "No." He says, because the mother and the father also had a godly soul within them. And that godly soul has all the potential in the world. They may not have expressed it. Big deal. So the child expressed it. But it's like, uh, what do they call it? A recessive gene? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't see something in a parent. It doesn't mean it's not there. He says, from the fact that the child might suddenly become a tamul chacham and a tzaddik and a great person, it's not because he started out with them. It's because... He's an, it's part of an inheritance. The parents didn't express it, but the neshama is there. And every yid has that within themselves. The child could have a different type of soul, a different level than the parents, right? Different level. Different level. But the essence of godliness they got from the parent. Because the, the godliness can be expressed further and higher and so on, but his point was that no matter what level it is, Hashem, Hashem is right in there. In Kedusha, there isn't such a distance from one level to another. You're talking about like the different levels of the souls. Do you have the same level as your parents? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But the essence of the parent's soul is godliness. That... But everyone has that same... Correct. 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 But I mean, what about Gilgolim and like Nitsutos or like other Nishamos and stuff? Like, I mean, if you have like a, a Gilgol of somebody, then... Well, are you getting it from your parents or are you getting the Gilgal from that person because they have to go through? Good question. Good question. There's two types of Gilgal. And now we can go off on a whole different tangent. I'll just I'll answer very, very short. There is the more common type of Gilgal that goes on is that a neshama that's, um, that was around and has to come to the world again. So it's born through these parents to become this child. Mm-hmm. So these parents drew down that neshama. Now, just because this neshama was around in an earlier generation, and most neshamas now that are alive today are gulgulim, um, fixing up stuff from fixing up stuff. Right, we're we're at the end of the the rope. You know, we're somebody we're, pulled the short straw. <laughs> I'm sorry. We could have been like a bunch of without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, each one has, remains his own individual anyway. You know, when Mashiach will come, there'll be the resurrection of the dead. There won't be if a if a neshama came out five times, that's going to be five people, not one. But each one of those five people was working on correcting and fixing and perfecting the same neshama. But a neshama can make three people alive. It's like a candle. If you light three candles, it's fine. There's three different candles burning. So basically, when a person's nifter, he goes to a giant heavenly recycling like plant, and then they just grind it up and put it into some new souls. <laughs> We're going to do a video of this, right? But uh, anyways, my point is, so regular Gilgal, the parents are the ones who are drawing down this neshama through themselves to become a new person. So that Gilgal, the parents affect that neshama. Now, there's another type of Gilgal, which is more of a, a punitive type of thing, that another neshama comes and attaches itself to a person. So let's say... Ibn Nefesh, no, or Ibn Neshama? 
Oh, b'chinas ibur. Good. That's you're right. I know that's not mamish gilgul, but same idea. So I'm a neshama, and then another neshama comes and joins me, neshama. That's already an unhealthy type of a situation. That's more of a punishment situation, and we shouldn't know from such things. But that's yeah, that, so that's not like getting pulled in two different directions. Right? Yeah, yeah, but that, that's an unhealthy. But that, is that like, that's not abnormal. a dibuk, or that's that could be called a dibuk, right? But so that's not the that's not the regular form of gilgul. I mean. That reason talks about sometimes the neshama can be mulgulgul into an animal right. for a, that's for a p- total punishment. So there's a lot of different yeah, forms of gilgul. I heard dogs are gilguls from, from thieves. Possibly. Like, because they have to rely on their master now because they stole from somebody else. Okay. I don't know if that's true for all dogs, but okay. I'll try to do my dog. <laughs> and it's, let's just finish reading this brackets. It says, sometimes, mamshichim Yisrael, even, again, Jews that are very distant, very distant, and rebelling, can draw down neshames gevoyes ma'od very high neshames shahoyu be'imkei aklipas that were in the depths of klipa which is unholiness k'men shekasa b'sefer gilgulim as the Rizal writes in his book on gilgulim. Um, we'll stop here, but this is where he's again with the point that he's making to us is that every neshama at its core has that that light of Hashem and it's the avos through their tremendous chus of being merkava they're able to draw that down to us, and that is really where our innermost love and fear our Hashem, the natural ones are hidden and come from. And we'll continue on that note in Hashem next week. Thank you for hosting. Two, three, four. And oh, next, it was my pleasure. Next week, same time, same station, right? Yeah.